listening to First Church Charlotte. So welcome to all of you. If this is your first time to join us, we're honored to have you and to host you. Um, We love doing life one with another. We love growing one another in faith. We deeply believe that we are not intended to do life alone. And so whether it's a work for the Lord, whether it is worship of the Lord, whether it is uh, the growth of the Christian Stuart, uh, we do it together. And so I want to thank all of you for joining us here. Uh, This whole month, we're doing marriage, love and relationships. And I'm really hoping to have a breakthrough with my wife this month. Um, I'm believing that you get to the next level of uh, spirituality. So if you guys all start a 40 day fast as soon as possible, we might could make some real progress. Um, We do have um, some of our uh, brothers and sisters from the church in Concord who are logging on tonight. I want to say to all of you, we're honored to have you. I wish all of you could know each other. That will happen uh, in time, according to the Lord's will. But it's, uh, you know, oh, there's there's Dr. Rick right there. He responds to the doctor and Mm -hmm. that is his little baby, Palin, who really really likes me, has a deep, deep affection for me. And so all of you, I'm looking forward to introducing uh, everybody to everybody, uh, but this would not, of course, be the best format for that. So let's get, let's get started here. I want to start, we're going to read a scripture, then I'm going to have uh, Pastor Don pray that our spirits would be quickened to receive the word. And so I'm going to read one passage. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is speaking any, well, not exactly the Sermon on the Mount, but it's oftentimes placed in that type of a study because of the manner in which Jesus is teaching and speaking. So here we are, Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 28. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Pastor Don, why don't you lead us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we bow before you. We honor you. We worship you. We belong to you. We submit to you. We call upon your name because you told us to. And so we gather here, Lord God, to study your word, to hear from heaven. I pray for a special anointing upon our pastor. Your word is already anointing. But touch Nate, I pray tonight, so that we can hear from you. I pray for all of our brethren that are here on this call. I pray that you will minister to us so that we might feel the warmth of your embrace, so that we know that you are near. You are not a far away God. You are near to us so that you are easily accessible. I pray for our new brethren from C3. I pray a blessing upon them as well. Hear now from heaven your dwelling place. Administer to us, I pray. Let there be a blessing upon this study. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Uh, It it is great uh, to have this time together, and we want to uh, grow together in uh, our faith. And since we're focusing on our families and marriages, uh, it's great for us to grow together. Notice this passage that we read, and I want to bring out something that I think is spiritually underemphasized, something that we we know, but it does not resonate within us. And that is this idea that there is a difference between our uh, spiritual needs and our fleshly needs. And that's not just about the temptations of sin. All of us have this instruction placed in the scripture by the very words of Jesus to have us consider something that there are those who can only their influence, their threat, their hatred, their accusation can only affect us at the level of the flesh. And then there is the trial, there is the attack, there is the spiritual challenge that can harm us at the level of our souls and our spirits. I have 
thought about that. I have preached about that. I would say the most common subject where I deal with this issue is when I'm talking to people who have endured or are living in the midst of church hurt. And because they're wounded in the house of friends or they are harmed in a place where they should be safe, they carry damage to their souls. Uh, this is more than just, you know, someone hurting their feelings. This is, this is some soul damage. I don't think about this passage near as much, probably a mistake on my part. I don't think about this passage near as much in terms of our marriages and our relationships one with another. So I'm going to explain something that I want all of you, particularly those of you married, to consider seriously. It'll take longer than the time of this gathering. It's something you'll have to think about going forward. It's something that you'll have to discuss one with another, but it is absolutely essential. And it is along the lines of this theme that we can experience things that damage our soul, that harm the eternal part of us, that wound the the spirit within, that have nothing to do with whether or not we were embarrassed in the moment pertaining to our appearance or uh, threats to our safety. It was very much a wound to our soul. We usually do not think about that in terms of marriage. So let me explain. I came across a study. I, I am by no means educated in the arena of counseling. I try to limit my advice to the spiritual realm largely because there are people who do have formal training to be an assistant to a couple trying to save a relationship. And their training has thoroughly, or at least attempted to thoroughly, let them know what they can do and they can't do. Uh, Oftentimes the untrained person will try to do things they can't do and they end up causing more harm than help. Uh, so as a pastor, I seek to focus on the spiritual, but I'm quite interested in these uh, long-term psychological studies that are done comparing relationships where a couple stays together for uh, five or 600 years, like in the case of Pastor Don and Sister Venice, um, versus <laughs> relationships where they fell. And let me share this study with you. Um, the therapists and the psychologists interviewed hundreds of couples and they asked them questions. They reviewed the way in which they fought one with another. Uh, the manner in which they made up with one another. And they tried to, in some way, find patterns. And this is a pattern they found that was, if it had just been found once, you might be suspect with it. But this pattern has been found repeatedly in various large-scale studies of successful marriages versus unsuccessful marriages. And that study is this. Um, We make emotional calls on one another. We, particularly in a married relationship, we ask each other to help us with our inner world. Um, Newlyweds don't know this is going to happen. Um, At least they think they do, but they haven't seen all the types of weather that marriages can go through. My wife and I first got married. It took us more than a minute to figure out that we made emotional calls on each other in different ways. All of you will be reminded of the talk show game or something like that, where one of your options is to call a friend. Um, A relationship is where, a marriage relationship is where you are continually being stronger together than you ever could be by yourself. Think about this, consider it. 
when you are wounded, you go, you turn to your spouse and they help you cope with it. When you're disappointed, you make this as it were an emotional call on your spouse and they help you with it. So just to pick, to throw myself to the, the wolves here. So you'll uh, know. And because this is a week where we're supposed to be better husbands, you know, March 1st, this wouldn't be a problem, but here in the middle of February, this is a problem. I actually got, I actually asked my wife for permission to do this. She was so shocked. She fell out on the floor and I had to revive her using a CPR, which I've been, I've, I'm, I'm quite good at. And so <laughs> um, uh, here is the deal. An emotional call for me when I am somehow hurting, I'm incomplete inside and I make an emotional call will almost always be, and I don't enjoy sharing this, but there is a power in being vulnerable one to another. And if it doesn't start with me, how can I expect the culture to develop in our community if it doesn't start with me? So here we go. Um, some version of me making a call for emotional support is usually me finding my wife, sitting down like a lost, dejected puppy, sitting there in the most pitiful, shameful, unmasculine way you've ever seen, truly to be beat about the head, neck and shoulders, just fix your body language already. I scream at myself, but myself cannot fix itself else. I would not have been seeking my wife. I sit down and I always feel some version of, I have failed some version of I'm a big loser, some version of nothing I've ever done has succeeded. Now, that's my version. Um, her version is much more her seeking me out, but not being verbal. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a pet um, where the pet would just come in and, and slump against you or come lay, I don't know, I might get myself in trouble using this example, but imagine, I see you pointing that finger, I'm trying to be good. Um, um, what, you, you ever have a, a, pet, a pet that just comes in and just kind of slumps on you and they're like, I'm here now, you can pet me whenever you like. Um, so that, that, that's kind, my wife will not be verbal, but she will come to where I am and she'll like lean against me. So here's the reality, now I've, embarrassed us to give you insight to how we would make an emotional call on each other. But if you don't know that your spouse is making an emotional call upon you, you will leave them to be strong alone and you will need them to fix themselves alone. And you will be rejecting the possibility of you being stronger together. You are rejecting a spiritual, as it were, synergy where the parts are worth more than the whole. Uh, what does it feel like when your spouse is making an emotional call upon you? And do you receive it? Do you answer it? Or do you roll your eyes? and push them away. So I'm going to give you some data. And this data has been repeated in more than one study. The numbers vary a little bit, but the, the, the meat of the study is there. Um, in successful marriages where they last together many, many years, one spouse answers the emotional call. I know it's not always verbal, but I think you understand what I'm saying. They will answer that call and respond to that call over two thirds to three quarters of the time. Uh, in the study I had, it was 86% of the time, a spouse will answer the call for emotional support, the call for help, the call, you get the idea, 86% of the time. Uh, in marriages that go on to divorce, where they fail, um, that number drops from the 70 to 80%. Are you ready for this? That number drops to the 20 to 30%. So instead of over two thirds of the emotional calls we place on one another, we come home and we've had a bad day. And so 
you go and you talk to your spouse to to kind of process, to kind of rebuild your self-confidence. If they do not receive it, or if they reject it a majority of the time, those are the marriages that go on, that go on to, uh, that, that fail. That's a, a heavy thing to think about. So our question, the work we have to do is to ask ourselves, and I want you to ask this, and after our time of study and reflection and after we pray together, um, I want you to, you don't have to do it tonight, if tonight's not the best time, but I want you to schedule a time to talk about it or at least reassure one another that you know what an emotional call for helps help looks like um, in in your spouse because here's the dangerous truth if you don't know what it looks like it won't matter if you were willing to answer it i want to say that again because it's heavy if you don't know what it looks like when your spouse asks you to help him or her emotionally it will not matter if you were willing because here's the truth here's the painful reality it's embarrassing for them to ask now if you're taking notes you need to write that down you need to particularly us men we need to write it down we need to put it on the refrigerator right on the favorite side where your favorite food is where you know you're going to go in the middle of the night and you need to print that real big when one spouse makes an emotional call upon the others help me i had a bad day help me process this loss help me if you at that moment are unwilling to receive them it's not as though they just can go on it feels as though not that you were too tired to talk it feels as though you don't care about them and that is the damage that is inflicted in relationships when we will not answer one another's call for support call for affection call for reassurance call for inclusion call for wholeness call for oneness um, if at that moment you mock them they will hide the next time they need it if you i mean it's getting heavy i feel like at any moment someone's just gonna say my god i can't take it anymore enough of this ignorance <laughs> if you do not receive them when they call for emotional support it will embarrass them and they will withdraw and here's the problem whether they intended to or not they will not stop seeking wholeness they just will stop seeking it with you is that too much truth i don't mean to be ugly my name is nathan and i'm your friend <laughs> they will not stop seeking wholeness here is a reality it's not good for man or woman to be alone now there is a spiritual place for the single where God becomes your closest companion. And that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to when he says that oftentimes single people of commitment to God are able to be used in a way that married people are not because they have less distractions. However, it's not that marriage is bad um, or that marriage automatically means you will be spiritually limited there are relationships that have the opposite impact where a spouse can help you you are more spiritual together than you were apart that is why watch when god gave eve to adam he did not stop visiting them and walking with them in the evening do you see the template matters the truth matters he did not stop walking with them visiting with them just because he was uh, adam was no longer alone the opportunity for divine 
togetherness was still there. And Adam was the better for it. Now, the Apostle Paul speaks in a unique time in church history. What is that time? Every apostle besides John the Beloved is going to die for what they believe. Do you see? This is a unique time. And so you do not throw out the example of the Garden of Eden where Adam is better with Eve and God than he was alone, do you see? Uh, So this is instructive to us, and we should take it seriously. When we make an emotional call on one another, when we ask for help, well, let me just, again, make this personal. It's very embarrassing to me to feel the way I do when I feel like I've failed. And it's embarrassing to me that I'm not the lone cowboy riding majestically across the range, need no one, all powerful. I can, I've got my six shooter and my horse and that's all I need, my God. It's embarrassing to me to need my wife to tell me, oh, just ignore those people, they're stupid anyway. I need that, but I'm not proud of it. I don't like it. It makes me feel like a little boy complaining to his mother (laughs) that I got beat up at school, do you see? And if at that moment, so let me even bring it home more. And uh, I didn't get permission for this, so y'all might need to pray for me by the time I'm done. My wife was raised by a father who did not make those kind of emotional calls. Now, he had emotional calls, but he did not make them in any way where his children ever saw them. And so she had never seen a man make that kind of emotional call where I need you to tell me that I'm working hard enough. I need you to tell me that I'm not a useless, lazy bum. I need you to tell me that it's okay if everyone doesn't like me. She had never seen that before. And she could have had contempt for me. She could have decided that because I was asking something of her that her she had never seen her dad do. She could have decided that I was a contemptible man, weak. But let me tell you, I'm not weak. I will, I will work all day and fight all night. I'm not weak. It's just sometimes I need my woman to make me whole. <laughs> Okay, but she could have seen it that way. And so wives and husbands, when your spouse makes an emotional call upon you, you have to answer that call. Now, there's very much lessons here that are unique to your circumstance and understanding how um, your spouse emotionally signals I could use encouragement. I could use help. I would like to feel that I'm not alone. Um, You'll have to think about that. And more importantly, you need to pray about it. You need to think about it, talk about it, and pray about it. You need to think about it because you already have a lot of experience. You've been married for a minute. You need to talk about it because one of the signs that a marriage is in trouble is there are subjects you can't talk about. And number three, you need to pray about it. Because if you're not praying about the manner in which you are changing, you're not really trying. Yes, if you're not praying about the ways in which you wanna change, and I mean every single way, I don't do a single thing in my life, any area that I'm trying to change that I don't pray about. If I'm trying to stop eating sugar, I pray about it. True story. If I'm trying to stop, I pray about, I think it's my way of taking it seriously. And in fact, I often am afraid if I'm not praying about it, I'm not really taking it seriously. And so you need to think about it. You have a lot of experience. You need to talk about it. One of the signs of a a failing relationship. So there's these subjects you can't talk about. And number three, you need to pray about it because it is in prayer where we ask for wisdom. Do you see? It's in prayer when we humble ourselves. There is no better place in relationship one with another if we are not willing to humble ourselves. Vanity is a killer. Vanity will kill the relationship you're in. It'll kill the relationship that you end up seeking out. Yes, you'll get tired of that one too. And then it'll kill the next relationship of the next crazy person who takes a chance on you. 
and it'll kill the next one. Yes, number four. Vanity is just that damaging. Vanity is where our potential goes to die and our wholeness is mortally wounded. We need other people and vanity is how you stiff arm the person who should be making you whole. So we pray about it because it's in prayer that we are convicted. It is in prayer that God's wisdom is whispered into our spirit. It's in prayer that this vanity, this vain God of self is cast down before the Ark of the Covenant. You see, I'm using an image from the Old Testament. You can set it back up, but if you'll keep praying, the presence of God will cast that idol down. The reason why some people are successful at resetting their idols is because they stop praying. If you'll keep praying, God will cast that idol down again. And the next time he'll break it in pieces. And pretty soon you'll have, you get the idea. And so um, in your unique situation with the personality of your spouse, uh, you need to be aware of when they are asking for emotional support and help, and you need to give it. Um, we need it differently. We don't need to have contempt toward the manner in which your spouse is seeking it because there's somebody out there who, because of their up, upbringing, they could have contempt upon the way you seek it. Uh, we need to open ourselves to receive one another, to support one another, and to always see the strength that's in the person on the other side of this moment of weakness. That's what we do one for another in a committed relationship, not just uh, not just a marriage relationship, but in a Christian relationship, we see the strength in one another in spite of this current weakness. I speak the promise upon you in spite of your current embarrassment. This is what we do. This is what it means to be a voice of faith. I see God's anointing on you in spite of the mess you're giving me right now. I, I'm committed to you, not for just this moment, but for the joy of the success that will come tomorrow. And so we have to see the strength in the person who seems weak in this moment, because the same person, uh, if I don't know if you've ever read any of the studies done on uh, what we think of as heroes, but there, there's actually psychologists who do this kind of work. And the same man who will run into a burning building and rescue a pregnant mother and her other small children may have a drinking problem. The same soldier who will charge into a terrible storm of fire and rescue his brother soldier may be the same guy who can't get off drugs when he comes home. Just because I'm weak right now doesn't mean I'm weak. And just because I am broken right now doesn't mean I'm not coming out of this. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so when our spouses and more, our brothers and sisters, our dear friends, our family member, when, members, when they make a call upon us, we have to be able to extend the hand of helping to strengthen, to bless, to encourage without thinking that is this person's reality. Imagine the, the limiting influence if the Good Samaritan would have presumed that the broken man in the ditch was who he really was. Do you see? That's not really who he is. He's been beset by thieves. He's been beaten. He's been broken. His bones are cracked within him. That's not who he really is. That's the man after the thieves have set upon him. So it is in our lives where we offer support one to another. Now, in a, in a marriage situation, it's different. We need to seek to deeply understand the, the inner world of our spouse. We don't have to understand the inner world of our brothers and sisters at church. In fact, um, there are contexts and circumstances. Man, what time is it? Oh, I'm okay. I scared myself. I thought I got caught up in the spirit and was explaining seven heavens of revelation. Um, there, there are 
needs of insight into one another's inner world in a marriage relationship that isn't necessarily needed or even in many cases appropriate in a brother-sister relationship, just a, a church relationship. And so we must be committed uh, in a spousal role to, to seek to be interested in their inner world. And I want to, I want to be honest with you. This can be difficult. This can be very difficult. Um, I was, I was, uh, I heard uh, T.D. Jakes preaching and he's one of my favorite preachers. I, I, I could never preach like him because, you know, it's a different, different context, but um, he's one of my absolute all time favorites. And he was telling about how when he first got married, he didn't know how to save his marriage. And he said, I had to learn uh, how to pretend like I was interested in my wife's friends. <laughs> he said, I, I had to learn that it wasn't really about her friends when she was telling me about. I wasn't, I didn't really have to be interested in her friends. I had to be interested in her. But being interested in her friends when she talked about her friends and what they were going through was a way of letting her know I was interested to her, in her. He said, so I learned how, and I belly laughed when I heard him say this. He's, of course, he can say it. You know, he said, I learned how my wife would be talking about so-and-so did so-and-so. And he said, I'd be sitting there and I'd, I'd, I'd be saying, oh, no, she didn't. Oh, no, she didn't. Mm, girl, she knows better than that. She did what? <laughs> and he had me belly laughing because he had this whole, this whole sequence of things. Oh, no, she didn't. She said that. And he said, I have to confess to all of you. I don't even know which one of her friends she was talking about. I was just saying, oh, girl, no, she didn't. <laughs> I loved it because it wasn't really about her friends. It was about her. But letting her process her world was another way of saying, I care about you. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If it doesn't, um, you have my permission to grab the nearest book and hit your, 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 your husband over the head with it. <laughs> um, so... This is so often the case in, in, our, in our marriages. Um, my poor, long-suffering wife had to learn it wasn't really about me failing. It was about a fear that I would not be good enough. It wasn't really about failure. Failure was the word I always would use. I don't do it anymore because I've been saved, sanctified, Set Christ as my personal savior, walking on to Jesus, fried chicken on Sundays. Um, it wasn't really about failure. That would be the word I use. It was really about, I'm never going to be enough, am I? I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Um, what is it in your marriage? I've plumb aired all my dirty laundry out here for all y'all to laugh at me and make fun of me and everything else. I know how y'all do. What is your dirty laundry? What does your spouse say when they're asking for you to make them whole? Because if you reject them, if you make fun of them in that moment, if you see the weakness and not the strength on the other side of it, that same man who has a drinking problem will run in the house and drag your hurt self out. Don't just see him with the drinking problem. See the, see the potential in him. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our friends. We do it with our family members. We do it with our siblings. We do it with our church brothers and sisters. It's worth it because if we will not let them call a friend, so to speak, and make an emotional call on us, or if we make fun of them, um, or we won't make time for them, they cannot help seeking wholeness. They'll just stop seeking it with you. And let me tell you what's at the end of that story. Well, let me not tell you. Let me just say nothing good, wholesome, or Christian is at the end of that story. So the first homework I want to give you for this month is I want you to have a time of considering first. You've been in this marriage a minute. Um, 
What have you learned? Secondly, I'd like you to have a very soft and gentle discussion. Now, you can laugh and cut up with each other because laughter is good like a medicine. Uh, Yeah, but you need to, particularly us men, we need to find out. We need to ask some version of this question. How am I doing answering your emotional calls for help? How am I doing showing you that although I'll be honest with you, I don't care about your three friends. I care a lot about you. How am I doing? How am I doing listening to you when you're complaining about work? Do I even turn off TikTok while I listen? See, now I'm getting down where it's real. Some people need to start throwing themselves headlong on the floor saying, my God, I'm a sinner. Do I even focus on you? You see, it's not about what happened to you at work. It's about you. You're making a call for help on me. Another embarrassing call for help I'll do, since I'm being mean to you, I'll be mean to me too, is on the way home from church, I want my wife to tell me I did a good job. Now, I may have already decided whether or not I did a good job, but I need to know. But my wife learned from me that it's good to tell the truth. And sometimes she tells me I didn't do as good as I had wanted to know. And on one hand, I'm upset. And on the other hand, the person inside of me is like, yeah, that's right. And I know I can trust her too, because when it's what's good, she tells me what's not good, she tells me. But what what is the formula in your relationship? How are we serving one another? Because if we're not, We are not fulfilling the way of Christ. Uh, Love does not seek its own. Now, I'm not trying to pretend that you don't have your preferences. You do, and you need to talk about them. And it needs to be okay for you to talk about them. One of the signs of a jacked up relationship is you can't talk about stuff. So that needs to be your first conversation. I know there's some of you, there's there's a solid chance some of you are squirming on the inside and you're mad that you logged on because you don't wanna talk about it. But here's the thing that you need to consider. Number one, you're in control. No one can make you talk about it, so you don't have to be afraid. But you also need to consider that all the monsters of your potential hide in the places you don't wanna go. And all the damage of your past lives in the places you don't want to let you don't want to visit you don't want to talk about them the way you clean house in your soul is going to be some version of speech prayer confession starting to get some biblical sounding themes now aren't we a mentor apology repentance you speak it with your mouth and if you're unwilling to speak it with your mouth there's something that is lacking in your potential for healing. All right, I'm 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 at time. I'm going to quit. Um, is there is there any questions? Um, this is your chance to go into the uh, the 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 text box and type any questions that you would have. Uh, I'm going to pray while I give you time to do that. Um, I'm just going to lead you all in prayer on these subjects. Um, And you can follow along with the spirit of it. And we'll give you time to ask any questions uh, that you might have. I probably don't have the answer anyway, but I would feel bad if I didn't give you a chance to point out the fact that I didn't have the answer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, so much spiritual potential is lost when we live broken lives. There's images in the scripture where you were wounded in the house of your friends. There's so much limits placed upon believers when they're wounded in the house of their friends and marriages become a type of organized coping together rather than a wholeness together. We just learn how to cope 
We learn how to not talk about it. And then we wonder why there's no joy. There's no laughter. We haven't been had fun together in too long. We haven't healed one another in too long. Instead, we live joyless lives of hidden pain and secret resentments. Wonder why we don't flirt with each other. We wonder why we don't tease each other. We wonder why we don't laugh together. We've strained the joy out of the relationship and created a habit of making it through one more day. I'm praying you would save us from that. Just as you have healed our souls, let us see we're made in your image. We're placed together that we might be better together. We might be more wholesome together. We might be more strong together than we ever were, ever could be alone. And so we are praising you for your healing power upon us, your healing power within us. I pray against the marriage that is really on the rocks and both parties are playing make-believe. But there's so much hurt and resentment between them that neither of them want to make the first move. Lord, I pray that somebody in that house of vanity, that castled house of growing resentment, I'm praying somebody would pray enough to have their spirit broken and they would come out of their castle and they would start with a simple conversation. If they, if they can't start with that, then Lord, I pray they understand they're going to have to start with repentance first to you and then apology one to another. Because when there's nothing left to say, all there's left to do is to repent heavenward and apologize one to another and see if we have a tiniest finger hold after we have apologized one to another. Is there just the tiniest sliver of a grip to hold on to, the tiniest edge of hope to press our fingers into and hold on? Because after we have repented and after we, after we have apologized, if we still have nothing to say to one another, then who are we fooling? We might as well call the attorneys. Save us from that. Spare us from that, oh God. Humble us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't see questions. I just see compliments. So let me say, I love you too. Um, thank you for your support. Thank you for your, uh, oh, Amanda, thank you. You saved me from being questionless. What should be our purpose for seeking marriage? Or could you or will in the future describe elements of a healthy relationship for marriage? Some of us have not seen it and what it, what it entails. Um, absolutely. That's one of the goals of this time we have together. I could give you, um, there's so many things I, I could give you um, when you have not seen uh, a health a healthy relationship that if I tried to give you too much, um, I think it would almost just be like a burden you couldn't carry. Um, and so I think maybe one of the things we can do in this time is we can talk about one theme that fits with uh, the subject uh, at hand. Yes, Taylor, this is available. Um, it will be available next week on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is a one-week delay of our Wednesday night. Uh, we do not uh, stream live because we take questions. And also, when you stream lives, you have to continually be kicking the bots out that want to uh, do what bots do. So, the theme I would give you for this time together tonight, the one theme of a healthy marriage that I would give you um, that is a direct offshoot, more a supporting foundation of this subject, um, is the principle of good communication in a marriage. Uh, you've heard me refer to repeatedly um, willingness and ability to talk about things. Um, the moment you're unwilling to talk, 
is a sign, in my opinion, that you have something to hide. This is very, very dangerous in a relationship because in a married relationship, there should not be secrets. And secrets are the, the, the strict nine. Yes, secrets are the poison of relationships because without communication, there are secrets. If you have secrets, you can never have trust. I know I'm getting off into some more deep stuff. Um, and I, by deep, I don't mean profound. It may or may not be profound. I mean, emotionally heavy. It's hard to carry. Um, and I don't want to exhaust you uh, the first night of the month. My challenge is to get all of you to see this spiritually. So my goal is on Sunday, I'm going to preach spiritual themes that are in some way threaded and integrated with relationships, love, and marriage. But on Wednesdays, I'm going to try to be super practical and I'm going to throw myself in under the bus. I'm going to try to, as a culture creator, that's what all preachers, we either succeed or fail at creating culture. I'm going to try to use elements, even embarrassing elements of my own life, because if that creates a culture of openness among us, that will be worth so much more than any pretend or pretense of spirituality or perfection that I might have. That mean that perhaps needs to be the first uh, holy cow that gets turned into hamburgers. Um, so communication is foundational. And if you have not seen it, um, Amanda, in your situation, one of the great things about you being connected to mentors in the church, I know you have a, 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 a good, strong relationship with Pastor Lisa, which is awesome. Um, you will see healthy marriage uh, in, forgive me for throwing these guys to the wolves here, in Pastor Lisa and Brother Jeff's life. You will see that in the same manner if you feel like any of you, you were raised in an unhealthy, toxic relationship. Um, and the, the example your parents offered was not what you want for your life. I, I encourage you to seek uh, spiritual, forgive me for saying it this way, but I think it, it's actually this way. Seek spiritual parents, find elders in the church, find a couple in the church. They will bless you. And look, at First Church, we have the best elders ever. We have the best kind of elders. They're not judgmental. They don't only approve of you when they, they don't only accept you when they approve of you. The people who had to approve of you to accept you, they, they've never fit in at, 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 even in the church that I grew up in, which was admittedly a, a, a generationally different church. Um, we didn't have a culture where we only accept people we approve of. That's not first church culture. Um, and so find some spiritual parents and let them be uh, a, a examples in your life. Um, we, we have tremendous examples on our pastoral team, but more, more, if you're single, we have tremendous examples of spiritual singles in our leadership teams and our pastoral staff. This is not just about the, the married uh, reality. It's that the married reality becomes a teaching example of both the spiritual and watch the character. Uh, my dad, Bishop, sent me a, a text on uh, Sunday after I had, uh, you know, preached on marriage and uh, how heaven teaches us about marriage and or, or love and love teaches us about heaven. He said, and this was his text to me, be sure to tell all the single people. I know y'all's parents never give y'all advice, but. Uh, my, I get advice from my parents and I'm blessed and rich for it. He said, be sure to tell all the single people that every lesson that is applicable in a marriage is applicable beyond a marriage because it's ultimately all about the fruit of the spirit. And I just sent back a man exclamation mark. So we're, we're over our time. Um, let me make sure I am not missing any questions. Uh, ooh, uh, 
Brother Larry, thank you so much. You're such a blessing to the men's ministry of our church. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that women should be the only ones that clean and have chores. My God, Brother Larry, you're leading prayer tomorrow morning. I'm going to see you at six. I'm throwing you to the wolves and you're going to lead prayer. It's going to be the most powerful things. There's going to be women on that prayer call that have never been on there and they're going to show up. And you know what they're going to say? I'm just here for Larry. And you're going to get trouble with Barbara just because you, my God, my God. Hmm. Let's see what other type of spiritual men I have in here. Man, I've got a bunch of comments I haven't seen. Holy moly. Uh, all right, that's enough. I love you. God bless you. Lord, be with your people. Make us strong. Save us from vanity. Save us from hiding monsters in the secrets of our life we don't want to talk about. Those monsters eventually will get bigger than their cages. Because that's what you do with a monster you ignore. You don't stop it from growing. You just allow it to grow in a place where eventually it gets the strength to break out of. Because the cage doesn't get stronger. It's the monster that gets stronger. So God, work on us. Humble us. Lead us by your power and spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.